passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Rewind the dynamite from the most recent sight. A-W, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to Dynamite. It's John Pollock, and I'm joined by Wei Tang. How are you, Wei? I'm doing all right, John. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, I talked to you beforehand, and I think that certainly today it feels a little strange to just jump into wrestling off the bat. So I just wanted to get some of your thoughts of following uh, all of the coverage today in D.C. And I think everyone probably sharing very similar sentiments of being horrified while at the same time seeing that the ground had kind of been laid that this – I can't say this is a shocking event, but it's still surreal to watch it actually unfold in front of your eyes as it did today. Very much so. And I wish like, I wish this feeling wasn't so like, common. yeah, like it's not the first time we've had to start one of these wrestling review podcasts talking about something that is so big in real life that it feels weird to just step right into wrestling. So I wish this, this feeling wasn't so used, um, yeah, so common. Um, and what is you know what what can really be said? Like we're watching this whole whole thing unfold, like the rest of the world. And yeah, I was I feel like I've, I've watched way more CNN this year than probably like any any other year. It just uh, I, I it felt like the you know the final scene of a movie as like yeah you know the the villain tries his best to like you know hold on to whatever whatever I guess thing he he's holding on to until until the movie ends but um it was unreal to see some of the some of that footage today so um it's 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 the divide that that you know um these forces have created thus far i i think that it's it's certainly like when we look at today um like as i said i can't say that there is complete shock that it has gotten to this level where you would have extremists storming the capital like just saying that out loud is insanity um but but that that's where we are where we are at this point 
And I think that it depends really on your life experience of what you watch today. I think you can watch it and just be horrified at this being an attack on democracy. I think that you are, if you are a person of color watching this and a very valid criticism of how this was handled versus uh, other peaceful protests and and what occurred, you're going to have a very different view of, of what happened today and you're watching it uh, through that prism. Like there's just – there's so many intersection points that today represents. That's kind of how I take away from this. And at the same time, not believing that any horrible action today is necessarily a rock bottom point. I don't know that simply a transfer of power – I think we can all uh, believe a peaceful transfer of power is – um, wishful thinking at this point, but a transfer of power regardless is necessarily going to quell any of this. If anything, it may heighten it. And what is the next step? Uh, there was one fatality today. Um, like God knows, like there were, there were two suspected homemade bombs found near the RNC and the DNC headquarters today. Like this is um, just like next level. And it's, it's almost like there is a subset of Americans that feel this is the appropriate response to an electoral outcome. Yeah. And somehow they feel justified based on, you know, the, the, the continued fan, fanning of the flames from um, political leaders that currently exist that aren't really doing enough to, to stop it all. So, um, who was locked off of Twitter for 12 hours. That was in Facebook now today. as well. Oh, Facebook. Yeah. Oh. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm one fatality. It, it's crazy, honestly, like to, to know that one person died in that building and, uh, things, you know, like the, 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 they're headed, they're counting those, those votes right now as we speak, you know, uh, it's, it's they have it's resumed a, the, the confirmation process as we speak. It's a wild day. Um, and I don't even know if I've really fully processed a lot of what's been going on, to be quite honest with you, John. Like, and I think a lot of people probably echo the sentiment, but like, I was hardly in the mood to watch wrestling, you know, tonight. It, it was just like so many things happening at once that, uh, I, I don't know. Totally. It, it didn't feel right. Like it, it was just like, this was such an enormous story that I, I really didn't even feel like doing our show tonight. Like it just, I don't know. There's been so many of these where it just seems, uh, very, I hate the fact that we are starting off so many shows like this where I don't see necessarily like an end in sight. Like, is this just going to be like, it's just such a dangerous level that it's reached where facts are out the window. Um, just any kind of like rules that are to govern everybody. Like there is a certain meeting point where things are accepted. Like that is just all out the window. And now we're going to the step of of violence, of of riots, of storming government f f facilities. Like this is this is just the next line that has been crossed. And you have seen just four years of destruction of institutions, figuratively, and now we're getting the literal destruction of them on top of it. Where there's been such a distrust placed of information of of so many outlets of the media that it's all just this perfect storm that has coalesced into 
today's actions. Like that's kind of how I see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all those things. Um, where does it end up? Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully this is it. Hopefully it doesn't get worse than this, but like there's supposed to be an inauguration in, uh, 10 days. Yeah. Sorry. 13 days. Mm -hmm. Like where, where are we? uh, Like, just just the safety protocol to even pull that off seems insane to to even attempt something like that knowing this is this is the temperature of some Americans and i say some because i like my belief is that this is still uh, a very small amount of people that would go to these extremes but it was like th- those scenes today were f- absolutely frightening and we're saying it from the comfort of being a country away but it's you still look on in shock and horror. And at, at what point does like does this ideology spread to others? Um. Yeah. Yeah. It. 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 It probably is a lot more widespread than we we think. You know, like going into election night. Um. I don't know if we thought Th- that this was the fear of close. what would happen at that point. It was delayed, but like it was like that was certainly a. Of a fear that there would be this this rage uh, coming out uh, w- with the with the outcome. Yeah, yeah. So uh, hopefully, like again, hopefully it ends here. But I don't know. I could see as many people like you know seeing the events of today and and like cheering people on and and feeling inspired. It's like I I, I don't exactly know where the cycle ends. I don't know exactly what it, I think it'll take to to stop it all. Um, and to get us back on the right track of, you know, just normalcy um, in the midst of, like, one of the most uh, un- abnormal times it, to begin with. So um, it just... I'm, like- I'm, I'm wishing for all of my American friends that Joe Biden is the most boring president in your history. I hope that there are days that you have to actually pause to remind yourself... Who's the president again? Oh yeah, it's Biden. Like that's how that's how dull a four-year cycle I want this to be. I want just your your Washington Post to be filled of like policy every single day. I want the most dull. You know what I want? Way I want the Americans to have the John Tory to their Rob Ford. Uh, he's a pretty boring Where, guy. This guy yeah. doesn't do anything outside of the lines, and it's it's all I want. In my mayor, give me the most boring politician. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to read about my elected leader. I don't. I don't want him to be the subject of a monologue on Jimmy Kimmel. I just want this to go through, and it's it's like nothing. Joe Biden seems like that type of personality, but I think what first first and foremost, what we can ask for is is a leader of sound mind, which I don't think we have right now. Or sorry, our, our friends in the South don't have right now. Well, I think that was. Uh, I think the the legacy of of this president, I think today, captures everything of what his legacy will be and how it will be remembered. So we are going to make the uh, the natural pivot from that over to uh, tonight's show, and then we uh, we may take some calls and go through some feedback uh, for those that you know. You can fast forward through this beginning stuff, but I think it's very important uh, to talk about this stuff. And I just can't in good conscience just jump into a wrestling review when there are much bigger things happening on the world stage uh, than New Year's Smash. Yeah, 
I agree. So let's uh, chat about this show. Uh, the first of two. Oh, if you're looking for news, by the way, we did a whole New Year Dash review as well as a discussion about raw ratings on the on the uh, post news update earlier in the day. So just scroll down in your feeds for that. Yes, on the free feed. You can also check it out on the Post Wrestling YouTube channel. Uh, while we're at it, I will mention that Thursday we'll be releasing the MMA Prediction Show with ESPN's Errol Hawani joining me as we will go back and look at his predictions from last year and then make a whole new list. On Friday, we are live 10.15 Eastern with Rewind to SmackDown going into the weekend. And then uh, Sunday, we've got two shows dropping with the long and winding Royal Road. WH Park is back, and they're going to be reviewing... Mitsuharu Masawa and Junakiyama from February of 2000 and the return of Total Recall, the debut of Total Recall for 2021. Yes, that's right. I believe these two episodes are, are the ones where they're both supposed to give birth. So there'll be plenty to talk about. Oh, OK. They're actually the, the episodes are the actual deliveries. I think so. Yes. Oh, OK. So we'll we'll get to find out how good Daniel Bryan's. Uh, phone work was uh his camera phone work because that's right that yes. was the thing that they weren't going to be allowed anyone in the delivery room and the significant others would have to shoot the footage on the phone uh, well I'll, I'll let you know how it is okay i look forward to that review uh and also i want to uh make a mention uh, that andrew thompson has a really great interview a lengthy one with uh, daniel makabe up on the site as well you can check out that as well as on andrew thompson interviews on youtube so dynamite uh, featuring our four-man broadcast team of Jim Ross, Excalibur, Tony Schiavone, and back for a second week, Chris Jericho. Eight-man tag kicked things off with the Young Bucks, Christopher Daniels, and Frankie Kazarian against the acclaimed Jack Evans and Angelico. Max Caster came out. Um, I, I thought it like a solid rap uh, this time out, embracing that we might be the John Cena guys, but the Bucks are the Marty Jannettis. And insulted Kazarian's rap from a few weeks back as well as Snoop Dogg's tracks. I thought better lines from Caster this week. They were certainly uh, maybe a lot more scathing, and uh, I, I thought they got a pretty good reaction, I would say. Yeah. Um, I, I was hoping that he would somehow... I mean, with Snoop Dogg, I mean, so so much material, I would think, for a rap. Like, he took the one line at him, but just something like, you know, Frankie Kazarian, your rap... It goes down in the ranks right up there with that awful track for Sasha Banks. Hmm. Come on. That's a that's a two for one. You get to knock Snoop Dogg, you take a shot at the competition, and you insult Kazarian. You could have mentioned the Cody track from tonight. I think uh I guess we didn't know that was well. coming though. Well, sure. Okay. They had the advantage on Daniels. Um Kazarian gets to tag in. He was in with Evans. Kazarian's just been uh he was great in here with, with Evans, I thought. Ross uh, referred to Jack Evans as an athletic bastard, and that prompted Jericho to throw out his Stu Hart impression. Matt did a somersault dive onto the stage, then off the stage he went, climbs up, high cross to the floor. He was just on fire. Nick and Kazarian then hit Bowens with the BTE trigger. It's broken up. Jack Evans with a 630 onto Nick's knees. Super kicks all around. Caster stops the Meltzer driver by pulling Nick to the floor, and then Nick fakes out the Meltzer driver like he goes off the top, lands on the mat, and then instead springboards to the floor with a swanton. So Matt's just holding Jack Evans in the tombstone position for Daniels to hit the best Meltzer ever, and 
they pin Evans in nine minutes and 58 seconds. Just, um, you know, out of control, fun eight man to start the show. Pretty spectacular. Yeah, really fast paced action. There's a lot happening really quickly. So uh, high energy matches, you know, pretty much like par for the course now for AEW Dynamites to start off with. And in this case, I feel like the point was really just to kind of reestablish SCU as players in this tag division. Yeah, and I thought I thought good uh, outing for Jack Evans in particular. He got to, to shine quite a bit here. Uh, the focus was on Daniels during the finish, and then Kazarian. Uh, for those that were not following Dark, explain the whole concept that if they lose again, they are done as a team. But he won't let that happen on his watch. Daniels tells the Young Bucks, "We have your back, except for when we challenge you for the titles, because we want to beat the best team in the world." So. That seems to be like the long-term match to build to and Daniels and Kazarian, I guess, winning their matches up until that point. And maybe that's, I don't know, the February pay-per-view, maybe. Sure, you would figure, yeah. Though, like, um, I guess the, the rule the rule is because the rankings have reestablished themselves. They reset for 2021. So I guess they're technically, like, in the bottom. Because I was going to say, like, feel like it's not that hard to get a title shot, is it? You know? They could have just, like, said, uh, hey, next week, how about you give us the challenge for the belt? But uh, that wouldn't be much of a story. No, I think you want to have them go through some teams uh, at first, and then uh, you can build it up. But that looks to be the ultimate payoff is the tag title match and making you believe that Daniels and Kazarian could win, and then you, you do whatever your angle is going to be with them. John Moxley arrives, his uh, first appearance. He complains. He says, complaining is a waste of time. Sometimes you're, at the, you're on the bad end of a bad deal and you have to take it on the chin, but you don't back down an inch. Don Callis, he's a used car salesman, and I have zero tolerance for shitty people. He said that Ray Phoenix has scratched and clawed for this chance, so he's saying he will not interfere in the match tonight. But Omega will never be safe. He is going to get even, and you'll always be lurking over your shoulder. You crossed the wrong guy, the boogeyman. Really great promo for Mox and uh, building up to that rematch. Way better boogeyman segment than on Monday. Yes. Dasha interviewed Chuck and Orange Cassidy. They said that Trent is out for four to five months with his bicep injury. Miro and Kip Sabian come in laughing and say that, hey, I guess that means, Chuck, you're out for four to five months. Uh, because this is like WWE, where a tag partner means the other's out for that time. He says, Trent is the leader, so you must be out for that time. Miro offers Chuck the role of being his young boy. Chuck says, I've actually been to Japan. I know what the young boys do, and I decline your offer. And they're going to fight next week. And Miro says, well, if you lose, then you have to be my young boy until after the wedding. Chuck, who let's be, uh, let's remember that last week this match was announced. So he already had this match, but agreed to this stipulation, which I don't know what the, um, wasn't exactly that he was under duress having to accept this. So Chuck has now agreed that if he loses this, he will be his young boy until after the wedding. The duress was from Miro interrupting the segment and Chuck just kind of played a lot off like he wanted Miro to leave, which is, I think, kind of, yeah, it's not very good writing and wasn't very good acting either. 
but it is a story to keep Chuck active in a storyline. You would expect Mero to win, and we'll see some sort of skits or vignettes or whatever of Chuck being his young boy. And we'll see how that goes, you know, despite being in this company since the beginning. I think Chuck's, Chuck Taylor is still is still pretty untested as like a character in AEW. We haven't really heard many promos from him at all. He kind of plays this laid-back guy. And aside from his matches, we've seen very little of him as a formed character. So um, this at least seems to be the start of something singular for him. I bet that the influence of this, because I do believe, yeah, Chuck loses this and then you can do all the skits. I'm sure some of the inspiration of this comes from that world-class angle that they did where David Von Erich got... Uh, Jimmy Garvin had to be like his ranch hand and come do these like over the top segments on the ranch where he had to work for David. And I guess this is like the opposite side where it would be the heel. But yeah, I think I think this actually could be something good for Chuck to do, you know, like some comedy bits with with Miro. It could be good for both of them because I think both need kind of more of that kind of character definition with that. Some of these vignettes could provide them. Mm hmm. Jake Hager against Wardlow. Uh, this allowed them to mention Danny Hodge's passing when they noted Jake Hager's hometown. And the inner circle came out and they watched from the stage. Now, the first half of this match, I thought these two were like really off. Like, I thought it was clumsy. They just seemed to not be, uh, have their timing down together. Um, it picked up though in the second half. Uh, Wardlow got his feet up on a Hager bomb attempt. And then Hager tried for an ankle lock and Wardlow kicked away. He shoulder tackled Hager off the off the apron into the rail and then landed a swanton for a two count. That looked very impressive for Wardlow. Hager repeatedly went for the head and arm choke. Wardlow escaped. It was reapplied on the turnbuckle and he dumped Hager on the turnbuckle to break free, hitting the F10 and Wardlow pinned Jake Hager uh, that they characterized as a minor upset. I thought it was like a good modern athletic heavyweight fight. You know, it's... um. Considering his lack of exposure in AEW, I thought Wardlow has done really well. I thought his presence overall matched Hager's here, cut a good promo to start, and the booking really kind of put the spotlight on him as, you know, a future star in this company. So I I thought it was like a good way to kind of add a bit of like heavyweight variety to the show on, a, on an otherwise like cruiserweight level roster. Yeah, I think uh, I think certainly by the end, uh, Wardlow looked uh, very good here in the closing stretch. Uh, able to showcase his athleticism. I think that, uh, again, he has uh, enormous potential. The inner circle got into the ring, and they all, uh, Hager and Wardlow, gave each other a fist bump. So we are to believe they're back on the same page. Private Party was in the back. They had their gin, but Snoop brought the juice. So Matt Hardy walks in, and he has contracts for them. And the contracts are laid out that Matt will get 30% of their pay. They sign these contracts and Snoop just stands here the whole time. Uh, Matt also adds that they'll be allowed to use third party platforms. And I thought like Snoop was going to take a look at the contracts or something and lend his uh, expertise when it comes to uh, management deals. But he just stood there. He had nothing to add here beyond the juice. Snoop like couldn't look more bored standing here during like Matt Hardy's contract discussion you know i don't know why you would waste snoop dogg's time like this you have one of the most famous celebrities in the world appearing on your show and i felt like this was a total waste of him having to sit through this stupid contract segment with matt hardy and private party and even though this wasn't snoop's only appearance i felt 
like it was a totally wasted opportunity that you could have had for another, you know, somebody else on the roster or even private party in something more specifically targeted between them and Snoop Dogg. Because after this, they gain nothing from Snoop's appearance here. He he gave them gin and juice. Yes, funny. Okay. But, like, why not write the rest of the skit around him rather than having him stand awkwardly around as Matt Hardy does this, like, weird contract thing that hasn't really gotten over at all, Um, his new character. So it, I felt bad for Snoop here, and I thought it was a waste. At the very least, if that's, like, your one, like, line for Snoop, do the segment sign the contracts, and then to celebrate, they bring out the gin, and then the 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 big punchline is who's got the juice, and the final shot is Snoop coming in with the juice, and boom, get out of there. Yeah, it would have you know, prevented the awkward standing around. Yeah, just have the nice little cameo at the end of the scene instead of the, your joke is at the beginning of the scene, and then he just stands there with his hands in his pockets for three minutes. Mm-hmm. So I think you could have done the exact same thing, just do the order different. Darby Allen is out with Brian Cage for the weigh-in. He's also got the new TNT title that they have redesigned. Taz is upset because Taz is always upset. This time because Brian Cage has to weigh in first. So he gets on the scale. He is 272 pounds. Darby is 170 pounds. And Taz complains that he weighs that much because he's wearing all of his stuff. Darby gets the mic. He says, this feud has not just been going on for eight months It's been going on for 27 years because I've been dealing with this shit my whole life. Taz is upset. He tells Shivani, get your wide ass out of here. And they're about to attack Darby when the lights go out. Sting appears and Jericho's screaming that it's snowing. Taz, his fourth angry moment in this two-minute segment is that he's sick of this snow. He's sick of Darby Allen, and they're going to crown a new champion next week. You rotten son of a bitch. They've uh, replaced the belt. So it's a uh, same design, but it's got a black strap now. Cause of course, uh, minus one has the red one. Um, I think this lights out gimmick thing is getting a bit tiring at this point, especially just with sting. I think you probably needed something different this time rather than, instead of just sting lights out appearing and then shooing the villains away. I think it needed at least some sort of physical spot, something spectacular. Um, it's definitely lost its luster by this point. I don't know if it's a great idea having him be this weekly character. Yeah. Like, doesn't like need they to don't be. have ideas for him weekly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand they're trying to create this alliance with Darby. Uh, it just seems that... We're, we get it. We get that there's an alliance now. We see them with each other every week. You know, uh, we just need a bit more variety. Maybe they can... At least have Sting maybe be able to cut a promo. Just something a little bit different this week. MJF is in the back. He is commandeered a cameraman. And he goes into the room where Jake Hager is furious over his loss. And he gives him a pep talk. He calls him a winner. You're still unbeaten in the octagon. And I was waiting for Hager to say, I don't fight in the octagon. I fight in the Bellator ring. Uh, But you should be proud of yourself. And Hager says, you know what? You're cool. Thanks for checking on me. And he thanks MJF. And I think like this is the story. It's like MJF is worming his way into gaining all of the trust of the inner circle members before he tries his takeover. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And each time he does it, he has to bring a camera with him. 
which the other person never questions. No, it's just like, oh, the the other. Oh, he's used to WWE backstage segments. But what about Santana and Ortiz? They're used to Impact backstage segments. Okay. Jim Ross then tees up on the matchup board, uh, Cody and Matt Seidel, ending it by saying, you damn right it's unpredictable. Ain't nothing but a G-thang. <laughs> <laughs> then they showed the highlights of uh, Negative One's promo on Marco's stunt from Dark, uh, which was a fun little segment that they did and ended up including it. Those segments were great. He also cut another promo. Um with the entire Dark Order about, um, oh, who was it that he was cutting a promo on? Luther, I believe. Yeah, like the some some really great segments. The kid was great, and his all his friends will be talking about this tomorrow. Alex Marvez was with Jurassic Express, and they're confronted by FTR, who run down Marco stunt being worthless, who adds nothing. He's their mascot, and says maybe negative one is right. You are a loser. So Marco offers to take Luchasaurus's spot next week and team with Jungle Boy against FTR instead. And FTR laughs off this news and Tully Blanchard pats Marco on the head as he leaves. Brief little backstage segment, but I thought it effectively set up a little storyline for Marco going into next week's match. I think this is actually going to be a hell of a match next week. Yeah. Matt Seidel, Cody Rhodes, uh, Jericho plugs... Snoop has jumped to AEW, and he comes out to a remix of Cody's theme. Uh, what what did you think of the remix, Way? I think Downstate and Snoop Dogg just aren't too, they're just not things that mix, you know? I, I really don't understand the point of this other than to brag that you have a custom Snoop Dogg theme song. Uh, in terms of character, it like doesn't fit Cody, and uh, I I think it, it sounds terrible. You're not a fan of Dog State. Dog State. Wow. Uh, I did think it was funny that Snoop like literally played Arn Anderson using the scouting report. Yes. No explanation whatsoever. No backstage skit to set it up. He just walked out. Here no, no. He was just here, and they made it very clear. <laughs> they like they may as well have just said he's here to promote this show. That's it. We're inserting him. He's playing Arn Anderson. I would have loved to have seen like you know Arn like, and what? Snoop. Arn and Snoop, maybe like, you know, they're, they're, he is, Arn is with Private Party. They're like, you know, having a bit too much gin and juice. And then all of a sudden, Snoop has to be the one to come out instead. Some sort of you're context. Right. I, I, th- I think you're right. I think there were a lot of like fun segments you could have done with Snoop, who like, I, I would have seen no hesitation that he would have like had to be like all in on this stuff. So if he was willing to just stand there during Matt Hardy's contract segment. He did Without physicality on the show. I think he would have been open for any ideas. I, I think it was a bit of a lost opportunity to do uh, some fun segments with him throughout the show. We also didn't get him on commentary, but, I mean, I do understand it. It seemed like they preferred his visual presence. And, of course, you know, with the dive that he ended up doing, it's... He, it, he they could have got Moro to come in and call a match with him. That would be great. Cody is uh, – okay, it starts off. Seidel does this crazy flip off the top to, to go into an arm drag, and they ended up completing it. Uh, then there was a meteora on the stage, but Seidel injures his knee. On the floor, Cody goes to strike Seidel, who ducks, and he nails Serpentico in the front row. Cody then applies the Scorpion Deathlock, and this would be um, a theme in the match where he would use Sting's moves. 
Uh, Cody then hit the inverted superplex, missed a moonsault, and then Seidel goes for a shooting star press landing on the knees. Crossroads is teased, but instead he hits the scorpion death drop. And Seidel fires back. There's a jumping knee strike, but then Cody takes control, hits two crossroads, and wins the match. Um, it was like a pretty, pretty good back-and-forth match here, and they built this up fairly well on the Road 2 special this week, too. Yeah, decent match. Um, I didn't even notice the whole Sting association. What do you think that's leading towards? Because Darby's with them right now. Yeah, I, d- I don't know. If, like, it was it was kind of confusing because like it was obvious the Scorpion uh, Deathlock they was going for, but they were kind of like first it was like Jim Ross was asking, "Are you sure it's not a clover leaf?" And then he was calling Jericho sharpshooter. Yeah, was Jericho asked that, and then yeah, the sharpshooter was mentioned, but I, I, I like. I thought it was fairly clear what he was mm-hmm. going for here. And then he did the Scorpion death drop as well. So obviously that was done by design. And, you know, that's kind of our, you know, Cody, Darby and Sting. That's the that's the picture. And I would think that if you can do one of these, like it all comes down to how can you get around doing a Sting match? Does it have to be, can it only be a, a cinematic version? And then is Cody aligned with him against him? Like, it's just, you know, see, my whole thing is that I just hope that there's actual follow up to something like that. You can throw these moves out and like have it be a nice, subtle tease. But we've seen so many nice, subtle teases from Cody lately that it's just that that don't have their follow ups. What's like the the, four fingers or. Yeah. Like, what's the what's the latest with that? What's the latest with Shaq? You know, these are all just kind of like loose ends that like are thrown out there that we we just get no kind of reminders of after one week or two weeks. Maybe his middle name is Never Ending. Um, yeah, it's a long path on the on these roads. So Serpentico and Luther jump the rail and they attack Cody. So Seidel helps Cody, and Serpentico is laid out. So Snoop gets involved. He climbs to the top, and he hits the ugliest splash in the history of professional wrestling. As Cody counts three, uh, as Serpentico puts over Snoop. And Tony Schiavone just says, Snoop Dogg is so freaking cool. Jericho's having a, he's blowing a gasket. I hate him. And then Snoop comes over to hug Jericho, who's just all smiles. And he shakes the hands of the other announcers as he leaves. Uh, Ugly as sin, this splash. But I guess the hope is that this will, this clip will, uh, go over virally in a big way. A really, really terrible splash, but pretty damn cool to have Snoop Dogg doing a wrestling move on your TV show. Hikaru Shida and Abaddon for the women's championship. Uh, they fought on the stage and Shida attacks her with the, the weapon of choice for every single company in the world, the kendo stick. Abaddon doesn't sell it. Uh, she stops a running knee and bites Shida's thigh then pulls her under the ring, dragging her to hell, as Jericho observed. And Abaddon emerged with blood coming down her, her face. And Sheeta comes out with a neck wound. <laughs> so she's, I guess, half dead. Uh, they fight through the break. Sheeta then made her comeback uh, with the pound of flesh she had lost from her neck. She pounds Abaddon's head into the barricade superplexes her and then Abaddon does the the Bray Wyatt spider walk and 
hits a lariat, lifts her for the gory special. It's countered, and Sheeta hits the Tomashi to retain the title. I really like the feud, and I really like the match. I think Abaddon is terrifying and just so amazing at her gimmick. I really like the start of this match where her gimmick was hunting for body parts to bite throughout the match. I felt they went a little overboard with the under the ring thing. It became a little too campy for me coming out with all the fake blood. They kind of lost me there. Yeah, but I think overall they managed to create this feeling of Sheeta fighting off this like horror movie monster really well throughout. Like This to me felt like she was in a life or death fight rather than just a wrestling match. Um, so much so that like I felt like they could have accomplished a whole lot more with this pairing than just this one TV match. I'm a little disappointed we didn't get to see more story elements between the two. Not We didn't even really get the semblance of a real feud. It was just some you know one-off attacks here and there. So I was almost disappointed to see such a clean win that it just made made it feel like this feud was pretty much over. That that w- it did feel pretty final uh, at the end of it. It's like Hikaru Shida overcame this this monster, retained the title, and I guess it's on to the next challenger. Whether that's going to be uh, some, something kind of coming out of uh, next week when Serena Deeb takes on Ty Conti, or you could throw in like an Anna J. I mean, there's options. There's certainly options. Um, I guess it it's really just coming down to like this is the the division that I I just think it's really struggled to have that that big defining rivalry for that women's championship that will elevate that that title and and by extension Sheeta as well. Like she has very good matches. I just don't think that she has had that opponent yet that's really kind of brought everybody up with it. I think it's it's really it really comes down to character and story, and this is part of the reason why I'm so disappointed we didn't get a little bit more out of the Abaddon feud because I think Abaddon as a as a as a villain for the type of character that Hikaru Shida is supposed to be, I think was a perfect fit. Would have brought out a whole lot more, I think, heroic characters and personality out of Shida. Um, so you know they they have a a, a number of like promising opponents I, I you know brewing i think but um it yeah we'll see if they can you know get to the that, the full level to to be able to kind of really have this division break through next week on the show a laundry list of segments and matches announced uh darby allen versus brian cage for the tnt title miro versus chuck taylor with the stipulation serena d versus ty conti for the nwa women's title kenny omega and the elite in action, Jurassic Express versus FTR, Eddie Kingston versus Pack, the Inner Circle's New Year's resolutions, and the waiting room makes its dynamite debut with guest Cody Rhodes. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Ty Conti uh, cut a quick promo with Anna Jay, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds on Serena Deeb, essentially saying she won't be alone next week. Then Pac cut a promo with the death triangle that tonight Phoenix will achieve greatness, but he'll do it on his own and he will be the next AEW champion. So the last half hour of the show was dedicated to Kenny Omega and Ray Phoenix for the AEW title. It started, uh, Jericho was defending Winnipeg as the best city in Canada, which got the announcers to come up with every Canadian city they can remember and they hit a brick wall after Brantford. Phoenix was able to maintain his balance on top for a double springboard. And then a Topicon hero threw the ropes into the guardrail. 
Uh, there were so many spectacular moments to this match. There maybe like the most breathtaking was a moonsault off the top by Phoenix, clearing Omega, landing behind him on his feet into a German suplex. Spiking Kenny on his head. It was. Oh, incredible. he came down like on the head. Yes. It's, it was especially great because uh, on one of the replays, you could see Jake Roberts' reaction to the spot. Yeah. And if you could just imagine what's going through that man's head, you know, seeing the evolution of pro wrestling from whenever he started to it looking like this, it must be incredible. Uh, he hit a double foot stomp to the back of Omega's head, and then Kenny comes back, V-trigger, but Phoenix does a kip up immediately with a spin kick to the head. And then a springboard Tornillo is hit with a flying knee in midair. Uh, Omega then killed Phoenix with another V-trigger, only got a two-count. The one-winged angel was countered into a reverse Rana. This is when Don Callis distracts, and Omega gets the advantage. Phoenix then leaps off the ropes into a cutter in the ring off the stage. And then the the fire thunder driver generates a two-count. Phoenix uh, puts Snoop Dogg to shame with his... Eddie Guerrero tribute frog splash, but lands on the knees of Kenny Omega. Phoenix is then caught in midair. He's held up with the double underhooks into a tiger driver. It was perfect. And he kicks out of that before falling to the one-winged angel. Way, I think this might have been the best match in Dynamite history. This was among them at the very least. Yeah, very well could be. Um, I'm sure they're, by this point, even a year plus in, like they... They've probably got quite the DVD of like best of dynamite matches in their collection. So, but this was definitely among them. Uh, an incredible TV match. It almost felt like it was too good for TV. I I thought like this this was uh by TV standards like man you'd have to really search for a TV match uh, at this level. Like th- this to me was a match of the year contender right off the bat. Incredible action start to finish like. Moves that don't even seem possible in video games if you wanted to try to replicate them. So, uh, I don't, you know, Phoenix, I think we all recognize was this incredible talent that has largely been untapped in AEW. Uh, in ring, like he's had not even like so many memorable performances as a single star. So, I really hope coming out of this, he gets more of a push and a story. It's been the main thing that I think has been plaguing him and Penta. Um, we, we know they're incredible in ring, but it's just the lack of story. And I mean, a lot of it's not really their fault. Like death triangle was probably meant to get going a lot earlier than now, but hopefully Phoenix gets something substantial coming out of this. So then after the, after the match, Callus cut a promo with Kenny in the ring. Uh, they show footage of pack and Pentagon being attacked by Eddie Kingston, the butcher and the blade. And Phoenix is in tears watching this happen. Callus says that you're getting a one-winged angel into the scrap heap of history. And out to make the save is John Moxley wielding a barbed wire bat as he attacks Kenny. But then the Good Brothers, Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows, jump Moxley. They're wearing the Impact tag titles. They lay him out with a magic killer. Omega's arm is bleeding from the barbed wire bat, and he beats the hell out of Moxley with this bat repeatedly. Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison run in. They're beaten down. Then others from around the ring try and save. They're all beaten down. And Moxley has one last last gasp to try and fight back. And then he's beaten down before the Young Bucks come out. And they're pleading with them to stop. And they don't know what to do. And 
Matt Jackson and Anderson see Pillman and Garrison grab Omega and each nails one of them as they inadvertently work together, saving Kenny. And with that, Omega, Anderson, and Gallows throw up the two sweet sign, which they can't call it. So they're, they're doing their tribute to Ace of Base with Jericho yelling, the sign. They're doing the sign. And Matt and Nick join in on the two sweet. And that is our closing image of AEW Dynamite. Yes. Finally, we get some sort of interaction from Impact the other way around on Dynamite. Uh, and I think it's the pairing that everybody wanted to see most make their way from AEW. Uh, the Good Brothers coming in to reunite, not just with Kenny Omega in AEW, but with the Young Bucks. So um, I thought it was a really excellent closing angle to end the show. Uh, and an amazing match that preceded it as well. Um, it definitely makes you wonder all the possible outcomes that can come from this. You know, the 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 good brothers and kenny versus um uh, you know uh the death triangle or like uh good brothers and kenny and like the elite or the entire the elite plus the good brothers i i'm sure they're going to have to call this something but you know the five of them taking on uh the inner circle for instance like that that's really intriguing to me so um i i'm i'm excited by by the by what they're doing here it was it was like a, a nice surprise to do this at the end. Uh, it, it pushes Omega, Gallows, and Anderson with this upcoming Hard to Kill pay per view as well. And and I guess it, it will be very interesting to see if next week, um, which is a live show, if they do something where Swan and the Machine Guns show up. Possibly, yeah. You you like want your impact? That would be the one you really want to push. Is push that pay-per-view main event for that that saturday so here's the thing is like i've I've always been trying to wonder myself is like what what exactly are their agreements you know and what is AEW getting out of this because i can tell you it doesn't make sense that they would be doing all this just so that they can you know run their little kind of tony shivani tony khan ads on access to try to get a few people to watch AEW dynamite that are probably watching AEW dynamite anyway it makes sense to me that Maybe in exchange for Kenny Omega to bring in the Good Brothers into AEW, that could be, you know, somewhat of a of a fair trade. Now, do they does the does the deal extend so far that they're also willing to promote Impact pay per views as well? There's nothing that indicates that they wouldn't. It seems like the relationship. Well, is next week's going to be good. the case. Next week's going to be the test. If they go two hours on Dynamite next week and never mention Hard to Kill. I think that would be pretty telling. And conversely, if they if they push it, then then I would say like that would be that that would be notable as well. Like either way, because that next week's the go home week for that hard to kill pay per view. And like we've seen AEW, like they they did not make a huge thing about Kenny going to do Triple Mania with uh, uh with Laredo Kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess the this is obviously a much closer working relationship that the two have. Yeah, so that's why I'm curious next week if they if they if they really do push that or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The other question is, you know, like uh, is if it's a, if it's Swan and the Machine Guns, I think an AEW audience would immediately know who they were and they would react to them. Um, would a TNT audience know? I mean, that hasn't really stopped AEW at all. You know, like they've they've brought in Warhorse crying out loud you know so uh 
I would love to see Swan and, and the machine guns come in. So that was a uh, that was dynamite. Um, I thought absolutely go out of your way to see this main event. I I really believe it was one of the best dynamite matches. Like th- this would be in uh, to me in the in the list of like top AEW matches. Like I I was that high on this one. We're one week in to twenty twenty one, and we oh. we already have several match of the year candidates. Uh, yeah, it, I've, I've got six from just the last three days. That's this insane. Being one of them. Yeah, this the main event absolutely did not disappoint. I will say I think Snoop Dogg's interaction outside of the uh, ugly looking splash, which I thought was hilarious, was a little disappointing. I was hoping for more, you know, like comedy, more fun from Snoop. But that splash was pretty fun. Um, I liked Abaddon Sheeta, even though like it was not very, very much a traditional AEW wrestling match. uh, But I thought it was exciting. And the rest was. You know, like. Decent average AEW. Eight man was very good off the top. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That was it. Uh, t- to me, it was really uh, held up by like the main event, the opening eight man. Um, the rest, it was like it was it was fine. Like there was nothing. I-, I wasn't all that into the the women's title match, but I I just haven't really been into this feud the whole way along. So um, yeah, but that does somewhat to your point feel like the end of the program. And I think that there, there could have been more explored. I am definitely open to that uh, idea. Had they, had they gone there? I think they were sort of, this just kind of felt like a transitional program for, for Sheeta to keep busy and, you know, got extended a week because of the circumstances last week. Let's go to some feedback and even some calls. If anybody in the chat room right now is interested, of course we are doing these live. Four double double plus patrons every Monday, every Wednesday, Fridays. We will be back for all patrons for rewind to SmackDown. Oh, uh, while, while we're we're at it, I, I won't go through like uh, New Year's Evil results or anything like that. But it was announced on NXT Wednesday night that the the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic this year it's going to be a women's version uh, of the Tag Team Classic, and the next Takeover pay per view will be Sunday, February fourteenth on Valentine's Day. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so uh, let's go to the forum right now. What did you guys think of Dynamite? Out of 10, you guys gave the show a 7.6, which I have to say is a bit lower than, than usual, but, you know, not, not that much lower. Let's go to our first phone call, and I believe we have Mr. Fact Checker himself. Chris, please unmute yourself. You are on the air. What's up? Gentlemen, Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year to you, Chris. It's nice to talk to you. It's been a while. Yes, I apologize. I uh, was on excursion there. Um, well, welcome back. I'm, I'm a youngster. Uh, John, congratulations on the addition to the family. Thank you very much. Way, how's it going? It's going well. It's going well. <laughs> what did you think of the shows tonight? Well, I, um, I came to it pretty cold, and, and today, it's such a fucked up day. Um, it was an escape kind of for me to to catch the whole broadcast and i uh so not knowing that snoop was going to be on there um my expectations were completely different uh and i really got a kick out of the whole thing um just to see him come out in this get up and do his little delicate jog in the ring and just thinking oh shit he's gonna do something physical tonight on this ridiculous show um the main event blew me away um, so, uh, kind of a little bit of everything that I was hoping to catch on the episode, a uh, question I 
want to put to you guys. So Snoop's established this new finish on uh, television. Um, so what ought it be called? Um, I submit the, the drop it like it's hot drop. <laughs> okay. And yeah. That's a thanks good so much. It's, it's so nice to uh, <laughs> be actively engaged with the community again. It's, it's wonderful to have you a uh, part of said community. So thank you very much. I, I would say my, my uh, recommendation would be uh, let's not ever try this again. Is that a mouthful to, to call out loud? Uh, yeah. And I, I doubt that he will. I mean, I, I wonder what the insurance is like for, for a guy like that. Uh, okay. Let's go to Hansi up next. Hansi, what's going on? Hey, what's going on guys? Uh, what the called? Uh, I, I gotta say, I, I, I enjoy when you guys uh, go into uh, the like, current events of what's going on when, it calls for it, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just think that, like, you know, because it, it was hard for me to watch wrestling also, but, like, it's become so ingrained in me. And and sometimes, like, it just, it's even harder now because, like, with social media and you know, you're knowing about, like, a lot of, like, your favorite wrestlers, like, you know, political ideals and all that, right? It's kind of, like, like it's kind of hard. Like, like, I still love Jericho. Like, Jericho's contribution to wrestling but like knowing what happened today and then like listening to him on commentary and then knowing like the people he platforms on on his thing whatever it kind of just like you know it just it's kind of like i don't know i i I wish i could just separate people from like you know like the thing is if if we judge everyone on every like all the fucking things that they liked whatever right then we couldn't really enjoy anyone right so it's kind of hard but um, but that being said, I, I did enjoy, I think this is one of the best episodes they've done. I, I like the, the ending angle. Um, I, I, th- I really do think that like some, I personally think something historic is happening with like, with this, uh, uh, Omega and the bullet club thing. I think like, like there is some good planning down the line with this. Like, I, I don't know if Tony Khan's gonna like buy impact or whatever, um, but yeah, I, I just really enjoyed the Phoenix. I said, I agree with Paul. Why, why would he need to buy impact? Like he's, you could just get, well, I mean, well, no, no, that, I mean, not like buy impact and like merge them or anything like that. Meaning that like, maybe like, you know, Anthem might go, Oh, look, you know, he, he, he's doing well with this, that Walter Kobe could sell it to him where, it, or at least let him run it where it's run as a separate property, like a, like an NXT kind of thing for AEW, like where at least some of the younger guys can get their reps in and maybe be featured more, you know what I mean? Like in that regard. And as far as Snoop Dogg, yeah, I never want to see this a frog splash, but this is like the, the contrast with WWE and, uh, uh, and, and AEW with the, the rappers is that if AEW wanted to get some mainstream attention, they could have had Snoop Dogg, like they could have had somebody mention Eminem and Snoop Dogg, because that seems to be like the new beef that's circulating and getting buzz, whatever. Just because, just look at what happened with Lacey Evans and and uh, no, and Cardi B. She mentioned Nicki Minaj and an onslaught. It, it, it made headlines and all all these hip hop uh, um, uh, news sites and all that. I just thought that you know AW could have used Snoop Dogg better. And uh, again, you know, guys, thank you for. Uh, um, doing good work when you guys are, you know, breaking down the current events. I really appreciate it. You know what I mean? And uh, it's nice to see like-minded people who think that this is utterly insane that's going on. But uh, anyways, thank you guys. Thanks very much for the call, Hansi. We appreciate it. Okay. Uh, any any thoughts, John? Any of that? Um, I mean, on his last point, I actually think WWE should really jump on the, this Cardi B thing and, and try and do something. 
She's clearly like on board. Like she yeah. talks, she talks about wanting to like make an appearance and you know, cutting, uh, getting that, cashing that check from Vince. So, uh, why not? Yeah, like it was a throwaway line, but look what look what uh, was handed to you on Monday. It's like do something with it. Just do do a cameo appearance with her. Like she seems down to do it. Like capitalize off of it. Like imagine if next, like don't do it next week, but you do it at at a future date where it's a, it's, it's a mania. It's a mania level celebrity. Like, imagine if there was a, an appearance where Angel Garza is sent into the locker room again. Oh, He's God, like, no. Please. <laughs> no. I'd, and, I'd stay, keep her away from Angel Garza, please. Well, that, that would be what they would come up with. It would be an Angel Garza bit. Okay. Uh, let's get into some of the feedback on the board. Okay. Let's start off with Noah from Vaughn. Six days into 2021, and we already have a serious match of the year contender. We should pluralize that. There are contenders and plenty of them uh, six days in. An absolute barn burner between Phoenix and Omega and an incredible post-match with the reformation of the Bullet Club. Great way to start 2021 for AEW, leaving tons of intrigue for what's next. Nine out of ten show. I'd love to see this iteration of the Bullet Club go against a hangman page-led dark order in the coming months. We got Adam who says the mural match next week has the same stipulation as the pilot Jerry Seinfeld and George Costanza wrote for NBC. You should be his butler. The rating tonight will be dwarfed by what is happening in DC. Uh, do, do you agree with that, John? Oh, the, both both shows tonight are going to get destroyed by all the new, the news coverage is going to be uh, insane tonight. So I I think both shows are are going to get hit. And and typically we see AEW seems to take it worse than NXT, but a hundred percent like the news is going to be uh, gigantic tonight. Uh, you're next. Next is Andrew from Cape Breton. Tonight was a decent distraction from today's outrage, fatigue-filled day. I'll try to be positive as the show was good as usual. I like the slowly building story with the third iteration of the Bullet Club outside of New Japan and ROH, with the second being the OC. They should probably figure out a new name as they might be beating a dead horse with the grouping. I like Hikaru Shida, but they really should look into finding someone new to put the title on. With the Impact crossover, putting it on someone like Jordan Grace or Deanna Perrazzo wouldn't be a bad idea. Anyway, a decent show, 7 out of 10. Uh, I don't know what he means by outrage fatigue today. I don't know if that's uh, necessarily how he means it to come across. I think there was absolutely justifiable outrage all day long, but that may be lost in translation. Maybe he's outraged. Uh I think people and he's, and should he's, be. And he's tired from being outraged. Well, that's know, maybe like, what he means. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, we go to Andy from London who says, I thought that tonight was an okay episode of Dynamite, but but it was capped off with a sensational main event. It had me gasping in amazement at least half a dozen times with just some amazing spots. I have to say, though, the post-match angle with the Bucks is going to take a bit of an explanation for me. I appreciate the history in Japan, but I'm concerned we're back to this weird face-heel hybrid that didn't work in the build to the FTR match. As for the rest of the show, I loved Wardlow versus Hager, and it was cool to see Wardlow go over. But I thought everything else was below par by Dynamite standards, and the Sheeta-Abaddon stuff really isn't for me. For a show with such a good main event, it would be rude to score any lower, 7.5 out of 10. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with you that I think some explanation is in store for where the Bucks' heads are. And I think they, they're telling you that there is some sort of internal conflict that they have uh, they are supposed to be baby faces amongst the clear heel team, and yet they just couldn't resist, you know, uh, pairing back with their old buddies from Japan. I think they need to at least be able to cut that promo. 
Um, but beyond that, I think even a brief explanation. I mean, everybody watching AEW knows what the Bullet Club is. But there, if you have any hope of trying to get more people, casual viewers, to watch your show, a lot of this stuff needs to be explained, you know, to to audiences who don't know who Gallows and Anderson might be. Yeah, you're right. That's that's a point that they should not take for granted that everyone is up on this history because I mean, you're going back. That's that's five years ago when Anderson and Gallows left New Japan. So. You know, people probably are aware that there was a past affiliation, but you have to contextualize that and hear it from th- in their words as well to explain that relationship. And that is, yeah, they, they should be doing that. Uh, Aaron from Brampton. I feel like I'll catch some hate for this, but I'm not sold on Omega as the champion right now. I know he's a great wrestler, but his character feels incomplete. To me, he really comes across as a generic heel and his dynamic with Don Callis doesn't feel well established. Is he Omega's boss or his hype man? I asked because he was giving Omega orders during the post-match promo. The only thing keeping Omega interesting for me is what looks to be a Bullet Club reunion. Besides that, I really enjoyed Hager versus Wardlow and Sheeta versus Abaddon. Those were two matches that have been promoted for a while, so I was excited to see how they turned out. Well, I mean, they, from what we know about the relationship, Callus has sort of been like um, a, a, an uncle to Kenny and also at times just a father figure and a coach to Kenny. Mm-hmm. So essentially, he is a manager. He is there to guide Kenny, to walk Kenny out, and to maybe handle his business dealings and also maybe to interfere and, in And he's matches. the mastermind behind all of this that Kenny... in completely trusts as well. Like he's his Paul Heyman to, to his Brock Lesnar. I, I'm not as, you know, picky about that, that element. Yeah. I, I think this thing's going really great for him uh, right, right now. I think that this has really put Kenny Omega into that, that, that highlight role. And, and I think it's also a tough role too to, to maintain that, that heel aura while you're still going out and having the fantastic matches that he's doing as well. And I think he's balancing that very effectively. Mm -hmm. And and probably some of that helps with, you know, again, the lack of crowds is that you don't have, like if this were a 4,000 people, they would have been losing their minds during this match. And a lot of that was spectacular stuff that Kenny was doing equal to Phoenix. And during the bullet club reunion, are you kidding me? Oh, they would, you're right. That would have been a baby face spot. And was somewhat designed to be at the end, too, in terms of, like, you know, you were cheering for the moment, even with the the participants involved, like the Bucks kind of. But you're right. That would have been uh, going off the air with everyone losing their mind. We got a Kate who says, it feels weird to have to say say it this way, but Omega Phoenix was one of the best I've seen this week. We've been waiting for weeks to get the other side payoff to the AEW Impact story, and the Bullet Club reunion was worth it. I could see this being the starting point for a big babyface push for Hangman Page, who will probably refuse to join his old friends. Does that mean the Dark Order are going to be the force for good? Yeah, very interesting. At this point, they're certainly positioned to be. And they uh, did do that scene on on being the elite this week, with Hangman coming yes. in and just sitting down for a meeting with the Dark Order. Like, that is... Um, like, it's going to be very... Um, I wouldn't say difficult, but like it's going to have to be delicate where the Dark Order moves next. Like everybody wants to see this group uh, flourish and continue, and I I think that like putting Hangman in there that would be someone like they would accept in that that role, and it would and it would make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, oh, she says, uh, as a show this entertaining was really needed today, and I'm happy I was able to escape from the horrors of the world to the south and enjoy people. 
fighting each other, hitting each other with barbed wire baseball bats and trying to break each other's necks. Uh, that's what wrestling is here for. Uh, next one here. Kenny Omega's entrance is very lame. Also, so is the shaking of his hands anytime he does a move. Overall, a very lame champion. Nice of AEW to have Jericho on commentary after he hosted a conspiracy theory not on his podcast. Well, I've not heard it. Um, don't think I will hear it. Neither will I. We got a mugging who says Kenny Omega might have paid, paid close attention to Wrestle Kingdom as he and Phoenix put on a barn burner main event. The Impact AEW joint venture took a massive turn with Gallows and Anderson invading Daly's place. The Young Bucks signing with Omega and Good Brothers feels like a Bullet Club rebirth. AEW held up their end of this cross promotion and it has a lot of potential for dynamite in the new year. Yeah, this certainly seems like a like a long-term thing, like tonight's uh, angle, what it kicks off. And Tom from Melbourne closes it off with fantastic main event that was every bit as good as anything on Wrestle Kingdom. The structure of the match was near perfect and managed to build a nice story within the constraints of TV time. I think it's worth mentioning Abaddon's performance tonight as well, and that AEW continues to show that they can still build characters and contenders while giving us a clean winner. So there, thumbs up on the Abaddon performance. I mean, I just hope that there's follow-up for a character like that. So often in these it's sort tough. of like one, yeah. one-off title matches, it's like they have their match and then we don't hear from them for months. And to me, that's that's always been been a shame. Um, AEW has done a great job of building certain characters, but um, others that I see so much potential in it just kind of get lost by the wayside. And I'm kind of afraid that, you know, even after tonight, Phoenix might be one of those. Abaddon might be one of those. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough character to like like book in that sense. Um, like it's you know the contrast obviously is like the fiend. Where I mean WWE they they've just gone all in on, on that character, and you know some love it, some hate it. Um, with, with Abaddon, like it's a it's a similar style of presentation. And after tonight, yeah, like you, if she just goes back to to dark, um. That that could be the case. Like it's just kind of this rotation of new challengers, and once you're out of the queue, you sort of disappear from dynamite. Mm-hmm. So that will wrap up uh, the feedback portion. So thanks to everybody uh, for either calling in or leaving your feedback on the forum, which you can always do. And a reminder that we are now live after each episode of Rewind a Raw and Rewind a Dynamite for our double double ice cap and espresso patrons. And then Rewind to SmackDown, we are live for all of our members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. So that is when we will be back on Friday night after SmackDown way with two big title matches. Yeah. Uh, which are? Big E and Apollo Crews. And the one that I know you are excited about, the Street Profits and your Dirty Dogs. Of course. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, you know, we've had such a great week of wrestling already. Uh, what a way to cap it off with this edition of dynamite. I haven't so, seen NXT oh, yet, but I'm, I'm, Smackdown. I'm really looking forward to this NXT episode when we are finished here. Me too. I'll be honest with you. It's like, I'm probably going to have to take a bit of a break before I watch that. Number one, it's like not really in the mood to watch that much wrestling, but number two, I've seen so much wrestling already this week. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. overload at, at this point on a, on a Wednesday night after 11 PM, mm-hmm. but there's always more wrestling. That is the rule in, in pro wrestling. There's always more of it. Uh, but thank you, folks, for tuning in and checking out all of our coverage of, of Wrestle Kingdom, uh, New Year's Dash. We have a report up on the site from uh, Mark Buckledy as well. If you want to check that out, always great analysis from Mark. And that is it. This weekend, the long and winding Royal Road returns. 
That is right. On Sunday, WH Park uh, will be kicking off the long and winding Royal Road for 2021 uh, as they'll be reviewing Junakiyama Mitsuharu Masawa from February of 2000. And for uh, members of the Post Wrestling Cafe, of course, you have access to Rewinda Smackdown coming out on Saturday. But also next week, you can all join us live for our live recording of our Worst of show on Tuesday that we'll be doing with Braden and Davey. You've heard the best of. Now let's sit back and get cynical for the Worst of 2020 show. That comes out on Tuesday for all patrons. Public release on Thursday, January the 14th. And we'll be live for that show for our patrons on Tuesday night at 8 o'clock Eastern. We had a a great uh, turnout for the Best of show. So I hope a lot of people check out the live show Tuesday night at 8 as we go through all the categories for Worst of 2020. A list that I have not even started. Me neither. Yeah. That's what weekends are for. Okay. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. And we'll speak with you later this week.